This is the Straight Dope, episode 28, follow through. We're on Focus on the Fundamentals week-ish, and I want to talk today about follow through. I was going to go through some other ones, but got a copy of this um, Combat Marksmanship Coaches course from the Marine Corps, and I want to read to you about uh, follow through. So it goes to say, follow through is the continued application of the fundamentals until the round has exited the rifle barrel. Maintaining consistency in the support and stability of the weapon during and immediately following delivery of a shot assists in follow-through. And then there are three points that they want to emphasize in follow-through. A, limit movement. B, the importance of follow-through. And C, recoil recovery. And we'll get to that. Before we move on, I'm going to say that as a whole... I'm exposed to a lot of shooters of all sorts of skill level and uh, service and ex-service members. Uh, some of them enjoy shooting rifles. And as a group, Marines tend to have the most consistent and higher level of rifle marksmanship abilities of, of, the, of the guys that I shoot. When, when I meet a Marine and they say, hey, let's go rifle shoot, you know, I, I, I am typically uh, impressed with their shooting ability and knowledge of fundamentals and stuff. So I want to say that not because um, I'm a mar- Marine fanboy, but just to say that, that you know, I always respect and admire the ability of Marines across the board, and, and, and um, it's kind of hit or miss with, with other, other branches in training. And, and so it has got something, it has to be something to do with uh, how they train shooters uh, from the get-go and the approach of handling rifles. And so that's a curiosity that, that I've explored a little bit and continue to explore. And that's why I'm looking here at the uh, Comet Marksmanship course and the fundamentals that, that they teach versus uh, other branches and, and my exposure to how, how those guys train. But a lot of what I read that's written down the, you know, my real first question is, who the hell writes this? Uh, is it an officer or an NCO? I, it, I don't, I don't know. And it's an honest to God question that I'm asking you guys. Like this, I'm right now. I'm looking at at CMC two zero zero two, the zero nine three three Mark two zero zero two, or maybe it's M zero six M eight five five, or Mike zero six Mike eight five five. It was revised in twenty fifteen. And I'm really curious who it is that writes this and proofreads it and and where the information actually comes from and if it comes from previous editions or if it comes from the NCOs teaching the courses, providing feedback. And then I, I, I'm really curious about the flow of information in documents like this, where it comes from and who proofs it and who validates uh, where that information comes from. Now, I'm not going to debate the stuff that I disagree with here. But I'm going to point out that I think that follow-through is probably one of... I'm just going to say it because this is my podcast and, and I never claim to know anything. And it's evolution in thought and all of us going out and, and trying. But I'm going to say now that I think follow-through is probably the most important fundamental for practical field shooting. And that doesn't mean that there aren't fundamentals that aren't... I mean, because obviously you need sight picture and... and and everything else. But let's talk about why I think follow-through is the fundamental that we can all train, and by training it, can develop tangible, quantifiable proof that we've improved as shooters. 
So let me read this again. It's the continued application of the fundamentals until the round has exited the rifle barrel. How many of you have gone on the internet or watched a movie or watched a competition and somebody, they get down, they take a shot, and in what seems like the same part of their trigger pull, rack the bolt and get ready to shoot again. There's no way that somebody shoots like that is going to be able to deliver precision and accuracy as repeatable as somebody that follows correct follow-through. Follow-through is anticipating all of the inputs and outputs until you have the feedback of the round where it's going. I get it. If you're shooting over a mile, you got a couple seconds to like hang out. You could probably rack the bolt and then get back on glass. But if you're doing anything other than absorbing recoil while the bullet, if you're thinking about anything else, you're going to have a lower probability of hitting. And that's because our nervous system is able to kind of prime your body for the things that you're thinking about. Just think about it. Like if, if, or watch kids playing that hand slappy game or stand there and say, okay, I'm going to slap your face and, and watch somebody's physical changes that take place when you even engage in the thought of doing something, doing something for real. Like, okay, I'm going to get up and run different muscles flex, right? If I say, all right, we're going to run all of a sudden your calf muscles get a little bit more tone, right? And the, your, your, your hip flexors get ready to propel you forward. And, and, and so if you're standing on something that's really unstable, like a balance, like get on a balance ball or, a, or some sort of a unstable platform and you tell somebody to think about an activity, they'll lose their balance a lot of times because they're balanced for standing there. And then you say, okay, now you're going to run. And all of a sudden they start leaning forward, right? Or um, I do this a lot because I have a treadmill in the basement. And although I haven't really been exercising a lot, uh, one pattern that I always run into is I get on. And sometimes when I hit, when I hit start, it doesn't start. I have to hit stop again. And then I have to hit start. It's an old treadmill. So a lot of times what happens is I hit start and then I noticed myself leaning forward and losing my balance forward, anticipating that the treadmill is going to start rolling under my feet. And so those are subconscious neurological kind of priming moments, and you prime yourself for the things that you're anticipating, right? And so you can anticipate recoil, and you see the pistol shooters have all those diagrams of, oh, if you anticipate recoil, your shot's going to go low. on a, With a rifle, right, it's going to go low. And, and if you're shooting offhand, like a lot of times, you know, your arm's going to push it low and right or your pistol's going to be low and left and it you know has all these anticipatory reactions to the recoil and so you can train that by shooting dummy rounds mixed into your magazines to see like am I flinching and chances are unless you test that you probably don't even know that you're doing it it's probably a completely subconscious movement so if you're thinking I need to shoot and rack the bolt while you're shooting your body's preparing itself to rack the bolt, which needs to brace other points of contact. And, and that's something that we've talked about in prior episodes. But when you have an anchor point, and that anchor point allows you to go through your range of motion, your, your hands and arms do it best with your elbows at 90 degrees, your shoulders relax, seated on your rib cage. And all of, but that's for, that's for the, the shot. And you probably have to slightly shift your weight and, and, maneuver your body to, to run the bolt unless you have like perfect form, right? If you watch Phil Vallejo run his bolt, like it's pr pretty much perfect form. 
if you watch other guys run the bolt, it may not be, but they end up shooting with, you know, anchored elbows if they can, if they're prone and they're running the bolt and, 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 and doing this stuff. But if you're anticipating that, i.e. it's even a part of your shot process that you shoot and rack the bolt, your shots are going to be influenced by that in a negative way if we did shots over time, right? And I think there's competitions where you have to shoot really fast because, you know, it would be hard for you to train that out of the system. But that follow-through starts before you even get down. So I'm going to say that follow-through starts before you even get into position, which sounds a little bit nuts to say, but follow-through is the display of the level of training that somebody's put in to their shooting. If you watch a video of a shooter, I bet I could probably tell you how much time that they've put into training just by watching them go through a stage from start to finish. You know, silent, doesn't even need to be like, you know, hits and, and all that garbage. And a lot of it, you can tell as soon as the shot's fired, how much training have they put into this? How much conscious effort have they put into this? And so think about this when you're dry firing. Can you walk yourself through the steps that you need from before the stage after the shot and seeing the impact, can you walk yourself consciously through all of that? And then when you go shoot, can you do that slow, medium, fast, and then faster than normal and not have any issues? Chances are, at some point, you're going to run into issues. And you see this a lot with carbon and pistol shooters. Uh, and, and, and some of the better shooters emphasize that, you know, training something really slow, you know, like if you're doing Tai Chi and, you know, some people argue that that is a martial art, like some kind of kung fu, you know, done really slow. So you have perfect form. And, but if you, if you train something really slow, you, you're not going to know the flaws that come out under speed. So if you do something perfectly really slow, you're not really training anymore, right? You need to be able to do it at a point where you're starting to fail, but you need to get faster and faster and faster. And if you're always doing it slow and always doing it perfect you're just kind of stopping your development without even knowing that you're stopping it and also not knowing what areas need attention because they're not immediately accessible. And that's why with the rifle craft stuff, we have you shoot, you know, three or four targets. And then if you're under a four, you can start adding time stress, even though four necessarily competitive, it's better than average. And then you start to layer in time stress not because we want you to develop bad fundamentals, but because you won't be able to tell what your fundamental flaws are without adding time or physical stress to it or emotional stress. But we don't want to stress you emotionally. Uh, Facebook does that already. So follow through starts before you even start because it demonstrates the amount of training that you've done and where you've put your training into it. If somebody shoots a lot, and then they look up over the scope to try to see the impact, right? You can tell that they're not practicing follow-through. They haven't practiced sight picture. They haven't practiced recoil management. They're just thinking, did I hit it? Did I hit it? And you can see behaviors like that through shooters in the field by the physical motions that they've done. And it's always worth spending a little extra time making sure that each step is done right than trying to shortcut it in order to anticipate speeding up for the next step. And you see that, actually, I had an interesting conversation this morning. There's a local match at Pawnee, and two of the stages have pistol rounds. And some of the shooters 
uh, it's it's ten shots of pistol, and then you go into a pretty typical two minute, you know, ten round stage of sh- shooting bolt guns, and some shooters just blast out the pistol shots as fast as they can, hit or miss, to get to the rifle. But those are points that you're giving up without even trying, and they're almost points that you could guarantee having, and, and some of the final shots on the rifle uh, stages are challenging, and in order to get them in the world's greatest circumstances are, are going to be challenging, and you're going to get fewer than the five points that you get for the pistol shot. So strategically, it makes sense to take the time to do the things that you need to do now, finish them up, before you start the next thing, right? It's it's like the argument against multitasking. Do what you're doing now, do it correctly, finish it, start the next thing, and more things will get done, more things will be complete, and you probably have more success, and then that efficiency can be sped up with time. So follow through. Limit movement. The coach should ensure the shooter does not shift their position, move their head, or let the muzzle or rifle drop until the bullet has left the barrel, right? Build a good position. Check your NPA. Do the push-pull. Do the tap. Check your inputs and outputs. Um, That is something that you practice and understand from dry fire at home. Building the position. Getting into the position. Knowing where your swivel points are with index points on your body so that you don't need to step right, step back, step forward, step back. Scoot in. Pull the rifle in. Push the rifle out. Wiggle your head. Nuzzle the rifle into the bag all that stuff, that can be hammered out in practice such that when you build your position, you won't need to move because you'll know this is in the correct position. The limit movement uh, paragraph ends with, this is often observed in the shooter raising their head off of the stock before the bullet has exited the muzzle. You're thinking so much about, oh my God, I'm being judged on whether I hit that you're used to seeing with both your eyes And so you shoot, and as soon as there's a bang, you're so excited to see if you hit it that you lift your head up to look to see if you hit hit it, forgetting that you got a freaking telescope in front of one of your eyeballs, and if you had shot it correctly, your telescope will still be pointed at the thing that you're aiming at, and you'll actually be able to see whether you hit it or not, versus there's no chance in hell you'll see whether you hit it or not by lifting your head up, and probably blew the shot because neurologically you were primed on lifting your head rather than letting the rifle recoil into you. The importance of follow-through. Follow-through is important so that the direction of your shot will not be disturbed, right? You don't want to throw the shot anticipating the next thing that you're going to do because the next thing that you're going to be do is like either uh, trying to find another animal or uh, argue with the RO or something like that or get shot at because you only had a second to take the shot and they're going to shoot back. Uh, proper follow-through reduces the likelihood of errors. Follow-through also allows for faster follow-on shots if necessary, right? If you're on glass, on your rifle, with a good position, and you see what happens, you can measure the correction with your reticle, run the bolt, and shoot again. If you look up with your eyes, you won't know where you missed, how you missed, what happened downrange. You won't be able to make an educated decision. And so this is like practicing Zen or mindfulness. You need to let what happens happen. Be disconnected from the result until the result happens and then make a decision. But if you're making decisions about things that haven't happened yet, 
you're not setting yourself up for success. And then lastly, recoil recovery. Recoil recovery is the management of recoil in preparation to deliver a follow-on shot. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about that. Um, like I said, I'm not going to argue with the Marines. But I do think that recoil recovery is a huge factor in point of impact shifts. And you can see that on the craft drill. People build a great position. People do all sorts of crazy stuff. But they don't quite think about their physical input on a recoiling rifle in that fraction of a second and there are point of impact shifts. So if you have good recoil management, you'll have good point of impact effects with the round. I think that recoil recovery, to me personally, what it means is your ability to neutrally absorb the recoil of the rifle such that you don't lose your sight picture. The, the rifle can move, the rifle can do all sorts of stuff, but you want the inputs and outputs such to, that you don't lose your sight picture. If you need to, you can follow up a shot without having to move your body and rebuild the position. Uh, these guys go on to say that it is important to get the rifle sights back on the target for another shot. Recovery starts immediately after the round leaves the barrel. Yeah, you you want to be able to see what happens downrange. And so follow-through and recoil management combined allow you to see everything that you need to see yourself, eliminating the, the necessity for a spotter and allowing you to make educated and informed decisions about what happened and what you're going to do. You know what you're shooting for, and because of that, you should be able to make an informed decision about what you're going to do, but you can't do that until you neutrally observe what's happening because if you try to anticipate your likelihood of screwing up the next shot is screwing up that shot is greater. And if you do it on that one, you're going to do it on the next one. And so that's where patterns of behavior set yourself up for success or they undermine all your hard work. And, and there's some shooters um, that, that say like, you know, the mat starts now or, or something like that, or the mindset and all this stuff. And, and that is the mindset, right? The mindset is you you care about this, you're spending probably tens of thousands of dollars training and getting equipment and loading stuff and travel and all this stuff. So why would you undermine that with things that are free that you could practice, right? Well, you wouldn't on purpose. And so we need to change how we think about approaching some of this stuff. And some of it is right in our face, right? It's written out as part of the fundamentals. And it's easy to roll your eyes and say, well, I'm better than than that, you know, I don't need to be reminded of the fundamentals. And I think that the truth is we all do. And if you watch video of even the best shooters, you could see where they could make improvements to their shooting based on their particular subconscious reactions. And that doesn't mean that, you know, they have to all shoot the same way or pull the trigger the same way. Uh, there's a really good video on Facebook right now of a match that just happened. And I know that my friend Corey was in a squad and it looks like the same person filmed all these good shooters on a troop line. And you can see they all pull the trigger different. They all have different recoil management. And they all manage to shoot really well and hit a lot of targets. So, you, you know, it's easy to say, well, oh, you know, they don't have good trigger pull or they don't have this and that. But they're all hitting the targets. And so in the end of the day, you do need to measure things quantifiably by impacts, right? Impacts on target, impacts and consistently delivering energy where you intend to not judging it by how they look or because you know that that's just you know I mean look at sports or anything 
techniques change, ideas change, but in the end, points, those kinds of points are what matter, and in with shooting, it's, it's where did your bullet go, and where did you intend it to go, and if they're always the same place, right, you're doing something right. There's a lot of ways to break down how to shoot effectively, but you can see where they could make gains by their anticipatory and follow-through reactions. And I think that's really interesting. Um, as kind of a trained observer, that's the kind of stuff that I look for when I'm watching videos is their body mechanics, the fluidity of their motions, how, how relaxed and, and effortless do those motions seem, how effective is it, and are the transactions that are happening start, stop, start, stop, start, stop, um, in, in, in the essence of, you know, what are the requisite skills and they're not doing the next skill before the first one's over kind of stuff. So think about it. Think about how you could apply follow through to even before the stage happens such that you have a list of things that you need to do that starts, you know, before and finishes after in a way that it's almost like a recipe for success. That recipe for success, we're going to call follow through. And if you film yourself shooting, you'll be able to see where the hiccups are and you'll be able to take those hiccups out because this is the kind of thing that human eyeballs, human brains, and our nervous system is wired to see, right? We're very observant. We use our eyes to measure and assess so many things that I think that all of you could benefit from filming yourself and watching it over and over again to try to pick out those subtle minutiae and then just get on YouTube and watch a good shooter go through their stage and compare what you're doing to what they're doing. And don't pay attention to whether they hit. Pay attention to the things that they're doing in deliberate ways. And to me, that all boils back uh, to follow through. So that's the follow through talk. I know it's the last fundamental. I'm going to get back to these other ones. In the meantime, yeah, if somebody uh, could answer the questions about who wrote this and how that information gets passed up the chain of command uh, to, to a printable, shareable, you know, public, uh, accessible document, that would be really fascinating for me. Not, it's not going to change the podcast or anything like that. I'm just curious personally, and, and I don't feel like making some phone calls. Uh, and then the other thing is uh, go to riflecraft.com and check it out. We've made some subtle changes for subscribers, and we've made a couple other changes for non-subscribers. If you feel like supporting the podcast, get a membership at riflecraft.com. It not only gives you more analytics, but it supports this podcast. There's also, we added three new shirts in two different colors to the list, which is pretty cool. The the secret squirrel, the, the nutsack logo, and then the field shooter. And there's some other things coming down the pipeline as soon as the artwork is, is knocked off. And then a few other cool things coming to there. And as always share this, like it, subscribe it and give me feedback. Uh, there's tons of feedback coming in and I've got a long list of questions to answer, but, um, you know, I'm also working on my own stuff, trying to improve my marksmanship and, find my weaknesses. And so uh, we're going to go through at least two or three more fundamentals, but I'm trying to get a couple shooters on to talk about one of my known standout weaknesses, which is uh, troop line shooting and, and, and wing calls on troop lines. 
especially when either they, they, they span a wide field of fire or, you know, they start far to near rather than near to far because the near to far walk out and adjust, walk out and adjust makes sense, right? You just make the correction on a plate and then walk it out, walk it out. But these guys, there's some guys that are extremely talented at troop line shooting and wing calls across a giant field of fire, you know, like a 180 degree field of fire. And I want to hear it from people that have the track record of consistent clean stages and not just because, I mean, you can make a good wind call and clean a stage once. And then the next time you do it, you might get a zero. And then the next time you do it, you might clean it. And then the next time you might get a two. And that's just luck, right? And we can show that luck plays for and against people all the time. But there are some guys that clearly have a system where they're beating that luck factor. And I want to get them to explain it firsthand because uh, I don't have that track record. And it's something that I'm curious about because it's a weakness of mine and we all have weaknesses. We got to tackle those and face them head on rather than hide from them. So I like to go out and chase events and styles that I'm not good at. And I tend to avoid the styles that I am good at because where do you, you know, you already know you're pretty good at it. You got to attack your weakness. And that's one of the things that motivates me about a lot of shooters and athletes out there that I hang out with is that they tend to have that same mindset of find your weaknesses and work on those and put your ego aside and go and be psyched that you didn't do good because now you know where you have areas to improve in your training. But at events, it's just to expose those weaknesses, write them down, log them, have fun with friends because in the end, those scores don't matter. What matters is time and track record down the road and demonstrating that you got better for you. You can prove that by logging your rifle craft scores for fundamentals and then going out at distance and shooting challenging and unique types of events uh, to expose more weaknesses because the best rifleman can go anywhere and do anything better than other folks. So if that's the goal, then uh, there's still a long road ahead of us. So uh, we'll talk soon. <laughs>